Mana 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 this is social disgusting welcome to social disgusting a podcast where my guests and i discuss our lives amidst the truly wanton hellscape in which we find ourselves i am brandon aka brandon hope you're well my guest is a musician songwriter film theater score composer screenwriter mustachioed multi-hyphenate living in los angeles whose fantastic band man man just released my favorite album in 2020 dream hunting in the valley of the in-between please welcome ryan katner aka honus honus welcome thank you thanks for having me sir absolutely thank you for coming on this is a truly this is really cool so i appreciate it yeah yeah of course i uh, honored so the uh first question the easy to ask, difficult to answer question, but how are you? <laughs> you know, we, we don't have to get into it because it could take up this entire podcast, but I'm well, you know, despite chaos that's ensuing currently in our capital. Yeah, I mean, just to contextualize it, I guess, a little bit, uh, there's a, a fucking coup happening, I guess, question mark? Yeah, all right, we've talked about it. We'll keep going. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but yeah, that's I'm, fair. I'm, I'm doing okay, and I'm, I'm glad this is a... a uh, just a recording, you can't see my face because I currently am not mustachioed. And that is true. Yeah, you are mustachioed less as a well. Yeah, yeah. I, I had I had one of those. It happens every couple of years. I have the old existential crisis in the bathroom at uh, in, in the wee hours of the morning, and I decide to remember what I looked like. And uh, yeah, I I remembered, and then I grow it back. Yeah, it's. I feel like I have that kind of Groundhog Day moment a lot when it comes to like shaving, and I'm like, yeah, kind of impetuously I shave, and then I remember why I did it in the first place, and then I just do that every however many months. Yeah, I mean, the bummer that I didn't anticipate was that, uh, well, this is a twofold thing where we're quarantined, we're not seeing anyone, there's no fear of missing out, I'm taking it very seriously, I don't even really see my bandmates, so, you know, I cut a mullet, and, uh, and I, I shaved, not realizing that I had to renew my passport. Oh no! <laughs> and now it's permanent. Oh, uh, now it's so yeah. Permanent. Next ten years, man. I, I got that mullet. I, you know, no mustache, so now I can't go into hiding very easily. That's fun. Just you looking at the person who's looking at back at you after having seen the photo. Yeah, it's like pandemic, right? Uh huh. And now, <laughs> now, now I'm gonna encounter because I'll probably mustache you the next time that I go through customs or a border, and they're gonna see me with a mustache, and you know, I, I can't wait for that. Like, what happened to you, dude? <laughs> you're like i ask myself that every day in the mirror <laughs> yeah. here here's 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 six man man records you tell me yeah <laughs> tell me what you think please if you can buy them on Bandcamp. I, you know i said it before i said it in the intro but your new album i think is truly fantastic i love it so much you know it's interesting i i, I guess to get into the my, my professional question side immediately but in your article i think it was that you wrote declaring your album your favorite album of the year you mentioned that that the songs like I guess don't pour out of you. It takes time to build up to build up this kind of cachet of songs. But I find I'm fascinated by that simply because the album is so playful in a lot of ways, and there's a looseness and collaborative spirit to it that it's just hard for me in my brain to reconcile those two things because there's such an openness to it. There's no rigidity whatsoever, and I think you really feel that on the album. Uh, I appreciate that. That was a. Uh... It's something we really strove for because I felt with, like with the last two Mammoth records, especially Oni Pond, you know, there was Oni Pond feels very rigid to me. I'm very proud of that record, but it feels very structured. And I, I wanted to abandon that and kind of get back to why I started playing music to begin with. And, um, you know, I, 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 t- I talked about this a little bit when the album came out, but we it took four years to finish 
And after about three years of recording and most of the record done, Cyrus Garamani, who produced the record, my mm-hmm. brother in arms, we listened back to everything and I just didn't feel like it sounded right. It didn't feel loose. It didn't have that freedom. It didn't have that wildness. And we scrapped it. And he was he was confident enough and in himself and his abilities to let us just like roll back in and re-record everything live. So I most of the record was re-recorded live. We, you know, we, I booked a, the first Man Man tour and uh, my booking agent booked the first Man Man tour in like four years. And we went out, toured for two weeks and then went in the studio for two days and just knocked out most of the record again. So to scrap three years of work and replace it with two years, I mean, two days of recording. But it was great. It was like the songs were lived in. It was a full band playing a room together. You can feel it too, I think. Like, you really like, there's just those things sometimes of like, you know, it's almost like you can tell in certain forms of art when they're like firing at all cylinders and they're having fun and there's like this infectious energy going back and forth. And I think you really feel that on the album. And I think it's deeply infectious as somebody who's purely listening in a very passive way that it just works. It was really, honestly, it really helped me out. And, you know, this unforeseen year, I know that at one point you were debating about the or had the possibility of delaying it. But, you know, selfishly, thank God you released it this year or this last year. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was um, it, it was heartbreaking to put out that record now yeah. uh, or last year. It's, you know, it's already last year. Uh, just because everything that it took to pull it together, a lot of like just the personal battles of just you know, do I keep doing this thing that I need to do because it's in my blood or am I delusional and I just need to kind of hang it up and get on with my life? And then for it to come out during a pandemic and our livelihoods are basically in the trash right now, it, it was tough. Yeah, but but I'm just glad that it got out there. It reached some people. It helped some people. And I'm, I'm eternally thankful for everyone who plays on the record in my band, you know, and it's it stinks because our, our livelihood is touring and we have yeah. no livelihood. Isn't that, I mean, I, I'm admittedly ignorant, but I guess these days that's just, touring is the big cash infusion, I, I I suppose, for a lot of bands. It's like, that's where the money is. It's not in selling records, I guess. Oh, that's it, man. Because yeah. everything's streaming. I mean, I, I make a right. fraction of a penny per stream, and even that fraction of a penny is split up with a label and other people. God. So, I, you know... <laughs> Uh, you can have a song stream 13 million times and not see a cent. That is that But is that's wild. just that's just the game. And yeah, it's unfortunate yeah. that it's like that, but uh you know, I'm I'm a firm believer in albums. And you know, it's old school, I know. But I I'm a firm believer in albums and making a statement and I had no idea that this album would be so timely as far as the themes that we explore in it. Yeah. And even the even the artwork itself. I love that cover. That cover is great. Thanks. I mean, it it really feels like 2020. It really does. You know, it's interesting because like just visually, I remember seeing that pretty sure before the pandemic happened and, and maybe that's wrong, but it's incredibly evocative regardless of that, but certainly as a result of it. I'm looking at it now. It's such a fascinating image. Yeah. Uh, the artist is LaFawn Hawk. She's on Instagram. You should check her out. She was one of the suspected people for the monolith. Really? Yeah, she was contacted about whether or not that was her artwork. That's interesting. Okay. Yeah. She has potential monolith tendencies. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's a great artist. And people should check her stuff out. But uh, yeah, I just it, it just felt fitting. You know, I felt in many ways the record it was it was about just straddling that line of do I throw in the towel or just 
keep pushing forward. And, you know, we're all just having to keep pushing forward right now. That's for sure. Yeah, it's uh, it's so hard to wrap around, you know, what this year has been. You know, I was thinking about that yesterday randomly of, wow, we're so close to it having been a year since this started, but it feels both like yesterday and like 15 years ago. Oh, absolutely, and, yeah. And I can't wrap my head around those two completely like opposing polarities. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild, man. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, you know, people in the arts are gonna, they were hit the hardest. And the irony yeah, yeah. behind that is, uh, that's what a lot of other people use to kind of get through these times. We're, we're able to like lean into and, you know, listen to music, seeing films, you know, just binging TV shows. And those, those are the people that are kind of hit the hardest by all of this. I mean, I was talking to my booking agent the other day and he realistically doesn't see us getting on the road until 2022. Wow. And we're, and all, you know, all my dudes, myself included, we only make money touring. And we don't want to be put in a situation, even our label Sub Pop, they don't want any of their bands to be put in a situation where they're endangering the lives of other people. And I, you know, I don't want to have some kid come into my show and um, giving their grandma COVID. But I also, yeah. I also don't want to play a drive-in. <laughs> because I think you, our music, yeah. our music, it's the, you know, our live show, it's the energy, it's the experience of getting sweaty and letting go and just not worrying about how stupid you look jumping around. Yeah. You know, it's, it's that physicality that you're not going to get by sitting in a car at a show. Yeah. I can imagine both. I mean, honestly, just as somebody who myself just loves the live experience of going to a show, like it's just this infectious energy that's truly just irreplaceable. And to to do some facsimile of that, just in general, let alone considering the grounds in which it's happening, the ways in which it's happening during the time, I just couldn't imagine going to one, let alone, you know, in your position, putting one on under those circumstances. Like to me, that's just like a night and day thing that's just like, I don't know, it, it wouldn't seem worth it. But then again, my financial livelihood isn't in jeopardy at this point. So I, I, it's easy for me to say. Yeah. I mean, I feel very fortunate in the sense that I've been doing this for so long. Yeah. That, you know, we had a fan base when we were touring all the time. I can't imagine starting out as a new band. I mean, I experienced that when I tried to do my solo career and it was uh, very humbling. Yeah. Uh, shattering at times. But, uh, <laughs> you know... But if you've toured forever, you, you you kind of understand the economics of it. So you know that it's a feast or famine scenario. So you have to save money for when you're not touring. So fortunately, I had resources saved up. So I'm just eating through all these savings, which a lot of people are, I know are, are, are encountering this right now. Yeah. Same with all my bandmates. I mean, I had to, I had to start a Patreon. Just to try How's, to that going? How's that been, that experience for you? It's cool because I can connect uh mm -hmm. firsthand with people that are you know really in, really into the music and have been for years and i and i can share stuff and it, in a lot of ways it's scrapbooking for me because i you know i when, once the pandemic hit and the reality of oh there's no income there's no touring yeah. i'm just burning through my savings i have to stop the bleeding somehow i put all my stuff in storage and moved in with uh, my girlfriend and but when i was putting my stuff in storage i had a really marie condo in my life <laughs> yeah. which included going through just why do i have this <laughs> why why do i have all the you know these tour these tour contracts from 15 years ago which was interesting to see but you know i shredded yeah. all that stuff 
But then, you know, at the end of it all, I had three Tupperware containers of, oh, this is kind of cool scrapbook stuff that I could share. Who would care to see this? And Patreon's been great for that. That's cool. Like you've been kind of a yeah a Patreon-based archivist going through your wares. Yeah, and it's cool because it, you know, I mean, I could go through every song of mine and tell you where every line came from. And it, it's okay. fun to be able to do that with people who actually want to hear it instead of, you know, in another life, I'd just be someone rambling on the sidewalk. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, people like, you know, it's like on DVDs, people like director's commentaries. And, you know, I, I think... I don't know, for, as a listener and, and a music lover, I think that'd be cool to be able to get kind of uh, an added level of meaning and understanding of, you know, the art that you love. Yeah, and it, it's fun, too, to share the stuff because otherwise I'm just a guy hoarding stuff in Tupperware containers. <laughs> like, why do I have this scrap of paper with lyrics for a song I wrote 20 years ago? Oh, so I can show you. You're like, I was saving that consciously for my Patreon. Yeah. I was saving it so I could throw it through the windows of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame someday. <laughs> oh, but the cool thing though is when I was going through all the stuff. I mean, I found some VHS tapes um, that had the first and the third Man Man show ever. Oh wow! Yeah, and I, I put some of that stuff on Patreon. It sounds like an ad for Patreon. Hey, you brought it up, and I asked more questions, so I'm all about it. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just putting all that stuff up. Boy, like memos of songs, like you know, voice memos, demos. You know, sometimes you know, a lot of times I just. Sing it in my phone, and sometimes it turns into an idea, and sometimes it's I forget I have it, but you know, whatever. Well, there was a song. Oh man, is it uh, Goat? Maybe that I'm thinking of that was a song that you sang into your phone, and those were part of the vocals. Brett mentioned something about this. So oh yeah, was... yeah. The first time I showed the guys the song, I recorded it in a in, in a in a practice space we were using, and Dylan made a funny comment and said, it sounds like a clip from an 80s movie or something. Like, don't fuck this up. This is a big gig. And I thought it was great. And we we saved it and we used it uh, at the beginning of Goat. So that's the first time I ever played it with the guys. And you're hearing it. And then it segues into the actual uh, studio recording. I, I got to tell you, that song made me laugh about as hard as anything last year. To see like an 82 second, I want to say it was, build up of music. To then hear a lyric that then rhymes with salminio oh yeah made me laugh very very hard it's so funny i've always wanted to use salminio in a song seriously that's a fun goal to have honestly i set these goals for me for myself every record you know can i can i rhyme bodacious in a song can i sing can i sing <laughs> salminio in a song uh <laughs> yeah so a mission achieved yeah it was successful in my opinion there's also a recording of an eight-year-old me on the record. Oh, really? Yeah, an unsweet meat. It opens up with a like a child's voice singing a melody, and that was a cassette tape I found at my mom's house. That's so cool. Yeah, hey, that's really fun. And then that same song ends with us trying to buy a busted baritone clarinet off a guy on a houseboat near San Francisco to kind of show where my life went. <laughs> <laughs> so my life started as this eight-year-old with so much promise singing to a tape recorder, and it ends. Like in the middle of nowhere, Oyster Point. Uh, no, yeah, it was Oyster Point. That was the song I was on. Uh, Oyster Point trying to buy this busted ass bass clarinet that was unplayable. <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> you get the full scope of Ryan Katner right there. You're like, yeah, that's the archive right there. A minute long interstitial. <laughs> that's so funny. I just want to ask you, you're, you're saying that recording of when you were eight year old. This is like a cliche question, but I am curious. Growing up, what were some of the big bands that like really influenced you? Well, I I kind of had a strange upbringing in the sense that my father was in the Air Force. Oh, mine too. Yeah. yeah, so we moved every three years. 
So I was really just turned on by the music I heard at home because I didn't have the peer pressure that one would have encountered typically in elementary school because I, you know, when I feel, I feel like when kids were getting turned on to music by their peers, I was living in Germany. Yeah. My sister was born in Germany. So yeah. Yeah. My brother's born in Germany. Oh, nice. In, uh, in Landstuhl. Mine was Ramstein. Maybe Ramstein, actually. Yeah, that's where my sister was born. Yeah, we lived in a town called um, Kinsbach. Okay. Anyway, so I remember the first CD I ever owned. My mom took me to see the La Bamba movie, the oh, Air yeah. Force Base, and I wanted that CD. So that was like the first CD I owned, which was, you know, it's like Los Lobos doing classic 50s <laughs> rock. <laughs> and uh i mean it makes sense because you know I, I did mr heavenly and that's kind of the vibe yeah our take on that uh but it was deeply influential and so even doo-wop stuff i feel like that was deeply ingrained in my system but also you know I, i've talked about this a lot in the past but i hate to regurgitate it but you know uh fat boys that was my first cassette tape oh nice and so that whole sensibility leaked in and my dad would play classic rock in the house and classical music yeah. And my mom liked musicals, even though I really couldn't get into them. Can you get into them now? Or is that just... Oh, like yeah. That? Well, now now I can. Because it's like yeah. the old lady loves musicals. And I'm I'm working on a musical right now. Oh, nice. That's cool. It's interesting as as far as someone who doesn't really know how to write musicals. it But it did influence songs on dream hunting. You know, it's... Well, it's interesting because like you can... I don't know. You're talking about just listening to a wide swath of music and... Just a a kind of wild, disparate collection of different sounds, and I th- I think that is a sensibility that very much fits in this new album. I think <clears throat> you know it's just like I I know for me I really respond to different sounds. Like my brain is lighting up hearing different instruments playing, and and especially like you know a brass uh, section and things that you don't hear in. I guess typical music these days. I don't. Know, maybe I'm just speaking out of my ass, but that's what really makes my my brain light up. So, like for me, listening to ELO when I was a kid, that really and like Pink Floyd and you know the Beatles and things like that. But I don't know. You you hear that all these varied influences on this album, and they all work very very well together. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, I, it's 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 always weird getting pegged as an experimental band because it's. Is that- yeah, yeah, that's weird. I just don't think. I mean, we we experiment with with sounds, obviously, in genres, but it's 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 not it's not like when I'm writing a record. Oh, I want to have like this one style of song or that one style of song. Like, I'm not yeah. I'm not that good enough a musician for that. <laughs> the songs I write are just the songs I write. Yeah, and then the secret is I just get incredible players to to arrange their parts with me. You know? Yeah, they're like we have to label it something. It's not overtly this, this, this. So we'll just call it experimental, which is like, yeah, it feels like something that somebody who made the music itself would never call it. Yeah, I mean, I, it's just, it, I, it's only annoying in the regard that it may keep someone away. Yeah. But yeah, whatever. At this point, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing this for too long. Now I've turned into that guy. I just, I don't give a shit. I'm just going to keep making the music. I, you know, yeah, I, tra- I, I tried watching a Zappa documentary the other day. I rewatched it yesterday, yeah. Yeah, and like, I really respect Zappa. I was never a fan, really. I really respect him, though. But I, I couldn't finish the documentary. What about it? I don't if know. Anything. It's just it's just this whole notion of he could have written a, a song, an album filled with hit songs. Like Oh, that, yeah. Like, why didn't he? 
You know, why do we have to wade through all this other stuff? And I like Zappa. I know it sounds like I'm just shitting on Zappa. Zappa is but brilliant. He's a genius. Let's get that out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. He also seemed deeply spiteful, you know, on some level or I don't know. Now now I want to preface it too and be like, I I've deeply admire what he did musically and then, you know, just with Congress and everything they cover in the documentary. Oh, absolutely. Like as a human, he seems like a deeply impressive, deeply complicated artist. Not to deviate from this too much, but like thinking about I can't imagine what it is to have this sound in your head and you have the frustration of I've got to get people to play what I hear in my head, but it's so complicated. I can only get a percentage of what I hear. Yeah. And, yeah. That was, that's, that, that struck me too, because I mean, I feel pretty lucky be, because I'm proud of every record I've made yeah. and I feel the sound in my head has been, I've accomplished it. I mean, I, I, I think probably because I'm not as brilliant as Zappa, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, I feel pretty lucky that, Everything that I've wanted to do so far, I've been able to do. But I think to your point, though, like, uh, I think the difference is, too, that, that you seem to have the understanding, too, that, like, this is the sound that I want to achieve, but I don't have all the answers. So let's, you know, have fun with it and have a relative looseness. And what do you think? And that collaborative spirit, which, like, Zappa is just, like, seemingly through everything was, it's this way or this way. And that's it. You know, my way or, you know, the highway. As they yeah. Say. Read these charts or... Get out of my house. Exactly. Yeah. Which I can respect. I just don't operate that way. Says the guy who's had like 40 ex-band members. <laughs> hey, you know, open door policy. You know, yeah. have fun with it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I I like, I definitely subscribe or would subscribe or resonates with uh, your approach as opposed to the Zappa. But that is this, not to say that I one is more relevant or or correct, as it were, than the other. It's just, no, no. I mean, you do your way. You're, I f- fuck. I have six Man Man records, two Mr. Heavenly records, and a solo record. Zappa, by this point, had probably a thousand records. He'd have two before this podcast is done recording. I know. I like, know. <laughs> it's so. It's I mean, that's something. Truly. That that's incredible. I take forever I, I i i i think in a lot of ways i am the uh, i'm i'm the living example of you give a monkey a typewriter and <laughs> what, what, what you know give a thousand monkeys a type i don't know whatever that stupid analogy is yeah that's me with writing songs you put you put honus put ryan katner in a back house in atwater village for four years and he can come out and surround him with uh talented musicians and he can make a record yeah but uh I, I would love to be in a situation, speaking of the Zappa thing, where, you know, he they set up shop in New York for years and play that one venue every day. Yeah, that that, like that's dream. awesome. That sounds like the dream. Yeah, right? I saw that and I'm like, oh, man, that talk about a wild opportunity that so few bands are afforded, you know, to be able to just like, let's just get it all over system, do whatever. The liberation that I imagine that comes with that and just knowing this is where we are for the foreseeable future, like that... Must have been such a what, what a truly like luxury. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about me. <laughs> <laughs> How's your? So you were Philadelphia, born and well, not born and raised, but you're Philadelphia. <laughs> you're yeah, Philadelphia, Philadelphia. You're a Seventy Sixers fan. Oh my God! Yes, we got one of your yeah. Arkansas boys on our team. Yeah. Wait, Paul, wait. Was it Paul Reed or Joe uh, Isaiah Joe? I can't remember which one. I think it's him. Yeah. Anyway, so. 
Do you want James Harden on your team, depending on what it will cost, or are you happy with the team right now? No, I don't want James Harden. That's fair. I mean, <laughs> if it was a one-on-one swap, no, I don't know. The thing, though, I'm not a Harden hater. Yeah. And you just opened a can of worms, man. I am a basketball <laughs> nerd. Oh, I love the NBA. So yeah, yeah, I am. Let, I can, I can, this. I can tell you about the fifth guy on the rotation. Fifteenth uh, <laughs> guy. I'm sorry, the fifteenth guy on the rotation. But anyway, James Harden. Like, I'm not like a Harden hater. Yeah, I kind of am digging this spare tire Harden that's playing this season because he's still got all the skills. He just looks like a rec league dad. <laughs> like he's definitely yeah. got a big gut, which I'm really feeling. I respect it. Yeah, like, I respect he, it. Just the idea that like, oh, this pro athlete, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's in the pandemic, too. He's in this quarantine situation, maybe uh, seemingly not as much as he should be, but he's in this quarantine situation. And, like, yeah, it's deeply relatable. And it's also nice to be like, hey, you know, relative athlete dad bod, and he's still doing everything he normally does. Yeah, I can get behind that. I mean, if it's a swap Simmons for Harden, which that's what everyone's talking about, I mean, I'll yeah. root for Harden if I have to. I mean, he's, he's you know, he's one of the greatest offensive players of all time. Yeah. So, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it's like any GM wouldn't say no to that, depending on what it will cost. But yeah, yeah, I was just curious because the 76ers are like talent has never been the issue in the last handful of seasons, and that you know the process. I mean, it worked. I I I almost cried when Daryl Morey was hired. It was uh, it was it it felt it felt like the ship had finally started to right itself. I think we lost anyone listening. <laughs> Who gives a shit? Is it, it was part of it too that maybe like to hire Daryl Morey means like, oh, we're not underdogs anymore because we hired this proven winner. It's like, oh, and now this is just like stamped. This is what we are now. No, I think, I think for the, as far as the process goes, I mean, Hinky was his right hand man. True. And then, then the league got him out. And so to get Hinky's mentor in there just feels so nice because, <laughs> yeah, I mean, Trust the process. I, I, my friend Lexi, uh, she embroidered a trust the process thing for me to put in my writing space because that was definitely my mantra writing this record. That makes total sense. Just, just you got to, you got to bottom out, you know, because it's. I put together an entirely, entirely new man, man. I didn't know if I was gonna have man, man. I lost, you know, without going to details, I lost the man, man name legally for a few years, and I was kind of oh, out wow. in the wild doing a solo thing because I had no choice. Um. So it, I really had to trust the process to come back stronger. And I'm playing with like some of my some of the the best dudes in the world right now. Just the phrase trust the process is like, yeah, that that's one of those aphorisms that's like, yeah, that that's deeply resonant and applies to so many things. To hear that, I find it deeply comforting. Yeah, yeah. I I I can't I can't sing the praises of my bandmates. I mean, they're just they're just the greatest, you know. Well, I just listen to the album, I, they're all, like, seemingly, seems pretty easy to say, individually wildly talented, and then collectively to make these amazing sounds and these amazing songs. Yeah, I completely get it as a listener. You, you know, Cyrus is a, he's, he's a mad magician. He really, uh, he really pushed me to do the solo record, and then he, 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 he crushed it on producing Dream Hunting. You know, Brett talked about Kevin, a mature <laughs> Kevin. Kevin played bass in my solo band. And so he experienced what it meant to go out on the road and not make any money and sleep on floors and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he was just in it for the music and all the guys were. And that was so refreshing to have after years of it not being like that. Yeah, I imagine. 
Kevin, he played he played bass in my solo band, having never played bass before. He was mostly a guitar player. And then after playing with him for a year, few years, I was woodshedding, writing, working on songs in my in my this back house that my friend let me use. I call it the Larga house, Larga space. <laughs> it was just a back house and behind like their offices, and all that was in there was a piano. And Kevin came over one day. He was like, "I'll work on stuff with you. I'll bring them. I'll bring marimba over." He taught himself how to play marimba. He's like, uh, do you want me to bring my clarinet? I was like, wait, you play clarinet? <laughs> you never told me this, and I've been playing music with you for two, three years? He's like, oh, yeah, it's my first instrument in, in high school. It's like, go rent a bass clarinet. And he did that day. And then, you know, he taught himself how to play bass clarinet. And he, now he's a great at woodwinds, and he plays marimba, a little bit of bass, percussion, backing. There's all things he taught himself in this band. I love that so much. Like, yeah. like, I think Brett, you know, went over Brett and I talked that he'd mentioned to it just like, just try things. I don't know. You know, it's like some people just have a definition as to what constitutes a band to have, you know, depending on, I guess, what the band is, but singer, guitar, bass, guitar, drums, and that's a band. It's so boring and, to me. You know, it's it, I, when, with, yeah. with anyone in the band, I've, I'm always just like, oh, so you've never played a chanter before? Well, just <laughs> try it. <laughs> you know yeah. i didn't play piano before this band i just tried it i'm you know whatever you come up with granted you're not going to be some technical wizard but it will be interesting yeah and i guarantee you it's we can probably use it you know it's this this notion that you just have to adhere to one thing is so stupid to me it's so boring and just the idea too it's like Oh, you've never played before. Okay, well then, there's no point in starting now. Or just like you have to have done this unofficial, benign amount of time of oh, you okay? Oh, you you're a piano player. Okay, you're in that box. As opposed to just trying new things. It reminds me of actually just that I rewatched the Bee Gees documentary that just came out. They just talk about how like their drummer had to go to England as they were recording a song, and they just ended up creating a makeshift drum loop from another song, I think, or a demo. Yeah, and it's it like on that, every like, one of their songs on that record. <laughs> yeah. And they just figured it out. And I'm like, yeah, that makes total sense. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 how I got into this whole career. <laughs> I was like, I'm self-taught, you know. It's like, I'm, I'm never going to be a sideman for someone. I mean, I kind of, I just have to write my own songs. Because that's what I do. Yeah. I didn't want to ask you, how did Cyberpunk 2077 come about? Uh, they reached out to, to Sub Pop and they asked if we if if I had anything yeah. that was unreleased. And um, we sent them some stuff that we thought would work. And then just for the hell of it, I included that demo. And all the other stuff I sent sounded like it would be in Cyberpunk, right? So I was really surprised that that was the song they picked. And when they told me that, I was shocked. <laughs> Really? You want a song where I'm playing guitar and singing and that's it? And Cyrus has, you know, guitar solo? Yeah. And that was it. <laughs> and I, I was holding my breath. I didn't think it was they were actually going to use it. I didn't see how it contextually would make sense. <laughs> Just the idea, too, yeah, to your point of, like, they choose the most, like, sparse song. The entire game just seems to be more is more. And to go with that, that juxtaposition is really fascinating. I wouldn't have expected that either. It's cool, though. You know, it's the the response for it has been incredible, you know. Like, my little nephew reached out to me. Uh, I guess he's my second cousin. I don't know what the hell. <laughs> I'm half Filipino, so it's everyone's an uncle or a cousin or, <laughs> you know. I guess he's technically my second cousin because he's my first cousin's kid. But he's my nephew, whatever. Uh, he hit me up 
Uh, and he was, I think I heard your voice, Uncle, in this game. I was like, oh, really? It made the game. That's cool. That's how I found out it made the game. <laughs> That's wild. Um, but it's cool. The response has been cool. You know, maybe, I mean, I haven't seen any of my social media numbers or any of that stuff change. But, you know, if, if some people get turned on to Man Man, you know, we have other songs like that and that vibe. I'm, it's, I'm, it's rad. I want all my music used in every single video game. <laughs> I like video games. I, you know, I haven't played a video game in a minute, admittedly, but, and I don't have the system, I guess, to play Cyberpunk, but I still want to play it. I haven't played it yet. I, I, I got it on PS4, and apparently it's a nightmare, so I haven't even, I, I mean, I also don't have time right now. Yeah. No, it does look really cool. I just haven't played it. Although, yeah, to your point, it doesn't sound like it's been the uh, most successful launch. No, it was, you know, it's, uh, I call it almost maybe effect. I've had this happen so many times in my life, and, I, and I, I've had this debate with people of, mm-hmm. is it better to have these opportunities than to not? Hmm. You know, uh, where, you know, we almost had a song in the, in the biggest video game release, you know, one of the most hyped games, and then the game is total trash, apparently. But the soundtrack's good. But anyway, that happened to me before, where we almost had a song in the Hateful Eight trailer. Oh, wow. And then we found out, like, basically at zero hour that we didn't get it. I think the Black Keys got it. Uh, I almost, you know, I had I had a, a book that I worked on when I was 23 for DC Comics. Now get turned into a comic book, but I'm not getting credit. Uh, wow. <laughs> all these kind of things, they just happen. It's like, I guess it's it's great that those things can happen. But yeah, you just got to keep working and eventually something will crack through. You never and you never know with music. It could yeah, be a yeah. song in a video game, and then suddenly people discover your band. You just got to keep making stuff. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Is there anything? What all do you want to point people toward the Patreon and things before we wrap it up? Yeah, sure. If you want to, if you want to jump in the Patreon, like you know, the my my buddies Justin and Jamie, they made a documentary about the uh, failed solo career. It's called oh, Use wow. Your Delusion, and that that's up on the Patreon. If you sign up, you can watch it. Uh, just posted old, you know. There's there's I think it's just under Man Man on Patreon. And I'm, I'm posting stuff. Thank you for being on. This was great. Like, it was really, yeah, really exciting to talk to you. So thank you. Yeah, appreciate yeah. it, man. Oh, you never answered my question, though. What, what's your basketball team? Oh, my basketball team? I don't have one. I follow just players that I like, but I don't have allegiance. I guess geographically, of anything, it would be the Memphis Grizzlies. They're two hours away. Yeah, even though Jaws hurt. Ah, that's such a bummer. He seems like he's just so um, wildly, eminently likable. And that team is too. Just Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant. They're an easy to root for team. So I know they're, yeah, they're, they're they're a fun team. Maybe that's my team then. Yeah, I just want to give a shout out to all my all my dudes: Harry, Sam, Kevin, Dylan, Casey, Tay, Cyrus, Brett. Such a great album. Yeah, it's, great album. Check out "Dream Hunting" and "The Valley of the In Between." That's hundred uh, uh, percent. Yes. The, the most heartbreaking thing about it is I, I was afraid it would just slip through the cracks and no one would ever find it. But hopefully, it'll have a life. I think it will. It absolutely should do. Again, it is so good. And I, you know, just the other day I recommended it to my friend Angela. And when I told her I was talking to you, she was very excited because she's listened to that album pretty much nonstop ever since. Oh, that's awesome. So, I, want, so, I, I, want, I want Sheila to hear the album. Or just that song, at least. <laughs> uh, Sheila from Wild Wild Country. Ma Nan Sheila. I wrote that song for her. Really? Yeah. I forgot that, yeah. I forgot that she's... Overseas, I guess. Yeah, she's in. Uh, I think she's in Aust- Austria or Switzerland. Oh, that's right. Okay. Well, 
I have I do know that some people in I, both of those countries have listened to this. So if that is you, please listen. Hey, feedback, provide it, please. Yeah, get Let's to Sheila. She's in that nursing home. <laughs> Let us know what you think. Yeah, Ask. That's how you think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tough titties. <laughs> yeah, I just want people to yeah be safe. Be safe. Let's get through this. And then 100%. Uh, come to our shows. Be safe. Take care. Please wear a mask now so you can see Honey. Yeah. As he is sometimes called as we're full circle in a live experience and not in any sort of drive through or anything. Yeah. In a real lived in live experience. And uh, whatever you're going through out there, just trust the process. Trust the process. Thank you for listening. Trust the process. Bye. Later, Brandon. Bye. Honey. <laughs>